Hi there. I felt like doing another episode because I've, I noticed that more people are listening to this, which is very strange to me. <laughs> um, I mean, I basically made this not to have other people listen to it. I just wanted, uh, I just wanted a place for me to talk about anything that I felt like talking about. I wanted to do like a podcast for years, um, but it's just my perfectionism always gets the best of me. Um, I always will, like, ask people, are you interested in doing this? And then we'll, like, back out. Um, not even, like, back out like there was a plan, but just, like, not bring it up again, ever again. (laughs) Um, because I just, I do that thing with, like, every, I know I've mentioned this before, that I feel like most people think of perfectionism as, like, a type A thing where you have like a planner with like your everything planned out like when you do this and when you do that and there's like no spontaneity or anything like that in your life and you have to make everything look perfect but I'm not that kind of um, perfectionist I'm the kind that um, basically talk to myself out of trying things before I even do them because I just think that I'm not going to do them. Um, well, so, like, why bother trying this and, like, fucking it up? Yeah. Um, so I've been like that with podcasts for a long time, and it's especially true. And the other thing for me is that I have way too many interests. (laughs) Like, I'm not, um, for any... Spirituality is one of my interests, so if anyone's into, like, astrology, um, one of the things with Aquarius is, as, like, a kind of the stereotype, I guess, is that we have a lot of interest all at the same time. We just think about a lot of different things. There's always something that we could be looking up and, like, seeing how how it's done or how it works or or whatever so whenever I would have an idea for a podcast I'd be like oh yeah but I like like 70 other things too so how do people decide to do a podcast on just one thing when I like a lot of things um so that's why when I found out that this app exists that I don't even need to get like I have a microphone that I bought when I had an idea for some podcast a few years ago. Um, I think I got it when I was more in like the, um, in like the Star Wars fandom and had friends that all have podcasts who still do have podcasts. I just don't listen to them anymore. I like barely listen to any podcasts at all anymore, but I used to listen to them all the time and I would sometimes like guest or whatever on their shows, so I got a, I got a microphone just in case I did, um, but at some point I threw away, like, the cord that connects it to anything, so 
That was smart of me. <laughs> uh, but either way, like, the fact that I can do it on my phone makes it so easy for me to do. Because I can just pull out my phone and start talking on it. Um, like, I used to do that already. I used to leave, like, record, like, little, like, voice note journal things to myself. Um, I still have all of them saved on my phone, but I, like, don't even know if I'll ever be able to listen to any of them, because most of them are from before I went to therapy, or right when I started going to therapy, and everything was so bad, and, like, the things that I, I feel like it'll sound like a completely different person, because I've changed so much in the last, like, three years-ish, um, but yeah, so I made this thing just to be like an outlet for me. I didn't ever expect anyone but maybe a couple people that know me in real life to ever listen to it. So I wanted to just at least say something on here today since I noticed that some more people were listening and say thank you if you listen to this episode too for listening. Um, and that if you don't know me, like, if you're just a person that found this podcast on Spotify, um, or something, then my Instagram handle is shannonjoy26. You should go find me, if you would like, and tell me that, if you, if you do find me from here, tell me that you did, um, so that I can ask you questions about why you listen to me and what else you would and then if you would ever want me to talk about something you can tell me it there or if you have a problem with something and you wanted advice or whatever it would be um yeah yeah uh there was something that came up today that was kind of I wouldn't say that it was a problem or that it was, like, annoying necessarily. It was more just, like, one of those things that tends to come up and part of why I initially started doing this kind of thing in the, like, this podcast in the first place was to have a place for incest victims to listen to someone who is one of them and talks about it, like, pretty openly and the issues kind of come up against um because it was super hard for me when I was like dying for information about it for me to find anything from that wasn't like a psychologist or something talking about it in like a more professional way like I didn't want to listen to that um and I'm no one who's listened to this would want to listen to that either. But, uh, this one, so, there's this one Instagram that I don't even remember how I found it. Um, it's called Unapologetically Surviving, and I really like it. I'm pretty sure that I found it, um, through one of the other mental health, like, Instagrams that I follow, and over the um, Christmas holidays, like, before Christmas time, they put out, like, they did, like, a giant gift guide. You can still see it 
in like their highlights on their channel on their um instagram account but they got my attention because they had a thing of like books written by survivors so i wanted to know um what ones they were recommending and and all that kind of stuff um and I'm really glad that I followed them because they're, the posts that they make are really informative in the best way possible. Like, they explain a lot of things about trauma and things like that that people sometimes don't talk about or just doesn't get displayed in such, like, a clear and concise way. Um, and they also talk about like podcasts and books written by survivors and it's just a really good resource um so they did a post today about hyper versus hyposexual people and it was weirdly timed since I like recorded the thing that I recorded last night about being ace and knowing what I want in a partner, but having, like, no idea if that's even actually possible in reality, and, um, so hypersexual and hyposexual are, like, kind of two different reactions people can have to sexual trauma, um, just in case you don't know what that is or you don't want to Google it, because I know you're tired of doing that shit, um, hypersexual is, like, um, I feel like it's a response to trauma that, um, people don't talk about or as, as much as they should because it kind of feeds into the idea of, like, oh, you weren't really raped, you're just, like, a slut or whatever because hyper basically means that you have a heightened sexual kind of drive after you've been abused and that you are basically it's like trying to prove to yourself like oh I'm not traumatized um by what happened to me because here I can go out and have sex with these other men or women or wherever you land in the gender binary um without any problem so obviously I wasn't raped obviously I'm not traumatized I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but it's like a, it's the, it's just a reaction to it with, to the trauma, and, um, it definitely feeds into, like, the shame and the, and, like, stuff that people can feel when they feel like, when people are like, oh, you weren't raped because you had sex with this other guy, like, right afterwards, was like, yeah, but I had sex with the other guy afterwards because I was trying to make myself feel better and try to prove to myself that I, that I wasn't raped or I wasn't horribly traumatized, which ended up just, like, making things worse later on. Um, so that's one option. And then the other word, hyposexual, is, you know, the opposite, um, which is that after you go through sexual trauma, that your, like, sexual drive is just, like, gone. Um, and this post was interesting because it, when it talked about hyposexual, it, like, explained what it was and then said, like, 
and then explained what being like asexual and then like being celibate is to try to differentiate between the different ideas um and that one didn't have like a like the hypersexual one had a couple like um slides I guess you would call it of with like survivors quotes of talking about the like how they had a hypersexual reaction after um being raped and why they did that and things like that like quotes basically they didn't have that for the hypo sexual one um but it's the the way that it was presented or however you want to put it um it brought up like it didn't bring up but it more like reiterated that sometimes um that sometimes like words or like phrases like like terms in like trauma therapy or treatment or however you want to put it um doesn't always apply for incest victims because um because of how young we are when it, when it usually happens to us um like you can be young and have a hyper or hyposexual reaction to things but um I know that that happens with people when they're like in their teens or in their adult when they're an adult and they are assault like sexually assaulted or raped by like a partner or something like that that afterwards like all of their like sexual wants or needs or whatever will go away and they get scared that they don't have any anymore and that their sexual drive will never come back um and then the other side like they'll like sleep with more people because they're trying to prove to themselves that um they're not like affected by what happened to them and things like that um like it makes more sense for it's just sometimes words um that therapists or whatever use to help explain what's going on with us doesn't doesn't work the same when you're an incest victim because of how young we are when it happened um usually like you know people can go through incest when they're older but if you are young when it happens um it's like i feel like it's impossible to say whether like when i was looking at that post i felt like it was a literally absolutely impossible to ever say whether i was hyposexual or ace like i feel like that is something that can never be determined because I was so young when that happened to me and that it was the first 
like I think the key is that it was my first introduction into like what sex even is like when it first started happening I was only six I had no idea what was going on no clue whatsoever like I actually remember um things when I was a little bit older and I had I was so I was beyond confused I had no idea what was going on what I was supposed to be doing nothing um I never heard anything like it before no one had ever I wasn't old enough where people started like talking about it in sex ed or anything like that or or like understanding jokes in movies or tv or like um you know my peers started like talking about stuff like that or whatever um I had no idea what was going on and um but I didn't but I knew that I didn't like it and I was that was my first like that was like my that was my introduction into what sex is like it sounds confusing saying that because I wasn't having sex. My dad was raping me. Having sex is like a choice. Like you don't, two people are both deciding to do that and that's not what was happening to me. But it still was sexual acts that I was experiencing for the first time. Um, so I say that I feel like it's completely impossible for people who experience incest at a young age like I did, and especially for like a long period of time like I did, um, to ever say that, to ever say that you could figure out or say that, oh, I had a hyposexual reaction if I go to therapy, um, you know, maybe I can like fix this and then I'll be this, because, just because of how long it usually takes incest victims to even get help, like, if, um, like, I feel like if I was, like, 12, when I was 12, and I went to therapy, um, when I, uh, kind of attempted a tiny bit, I wasn't being serious, but I did cut myself with a big-ass knife, Ugh, where people sometimes do that. Sorry if that triggered anybody really badly, um, but I did do that, so my parents put me in therapy, and I was in it for a few months, and it started feeling better and I really liked therapy, um, but when I started feeling better, my mom was like, you don't want to go anymore, right, and, like, covert narcissists are, like, so fucking good at phrasing things in a way that make you feel like it's your choice, but it's really not, like, I did, I could not have said to her, like, no, I want to keep going, it just, I didn't feel like it was an option for me to say no. Um, so I left. So, like, let's say, though, that 
when I was 12 and I went to that therapy group if I actually stayed. Because, I mean, I've been in therapy at this point for, like, almost three years. It would be in February of 2021. It will be three years since I went back to therapy. And, like, granted, I wasn't in... I haven't been in therapy every week straight during that time because there were some times when I, like, didn't have money. Like, this year was because of money and COVID fucked it up for a while. Um, in 2019, I was out of it for a few months because of money and not having health insurance when I was unemployed. Um, but I was always, like, during that time, I was, like, always reading things online about getting help. I was watching YouTube videos about it. I was reading books about it. I was always trying to, like, stay in that world until I could go back. Um, so I counted as, like, basically being in therapy for the last three years almost. And, I mean, I, I worked through a bunch of stuff, but I still have a bunch of other stuff to work through. Like, going through this kind of, I feel like, going through this kind of hugely complex trauma isn't something that you can just go to therapy for for a couple months and then come out and be fine. (laughs) You need, like, a lot of time to go through all of the different things. Like, um, my friend Megan that, that I have on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, she has, um, similar family situation as me and she said that her therapist once told her that usually people have complex PTSD go to therapy for like an average of like 10 years. Um, which makes a lot of sense because it's very complex, very, very complex. We, the, the name of that kind of PTSD does not lie. Uh, it made us feel better. Both of us feel better, made her feel a lot better. And I would, I felt a lot better when I read that because because sometimes I feel like I'm not making any progress, and then I'm like, oh, right, all the stuff that I went through was really horrendous, and it's going to take me more than 10 minutes to figure out a way to overcome it. <laughs> um, but what was I saying? Um, oh, right, right. So when I, if I was, when I was 12 and I went to therapy initially, if I stayed in there for, like, you know, all this time where I could have like, actually gotten, like, the help that I needed then at the time when I needed it, which was, you know, then, um, like, I still would have had to go home and live with my mom, and then eventually when my dad moved back in with my dad and my mom, so it always, it always would have been really difficult to be in that home situation because they were still my parents, and everything, and that wasn't going to change, um, and I didn't really have anywhere else to go, but, um, but, like, maybe if I went, like, how I should have when I was 12, they could have worked on, like, the hyposexual reaction, like, they could have maybe figured out if that was the reaction, and if, and could have worked on it to see if it was a, to see if it would, like, if with some work it would, I would be able to, uh, be, like, physically or whatever attracted to someone. 
um, but, or like sec- have sexual attraction to somebody without being terrified. But it didn't happen then. Like I went to there for a few months and basically got to a point where I wasn't wanting to kill myself anymore and was starting to feel better. And then I left and I didn't go back to therapy for another like 22 years. So that's why I say that like with incest victims, it's like the chicken or the egg when they say like, are you hyposexual or are you ace? Like, how are you ever supposed to know that? Because we experienced like this sexual trauma happening, um, especially if it happened more than on a regular basis for years when we were young and before we even like formed our like personalities and opinions and what our sexuality would have been. So it's like a thing of like, how are you ever supposed to know that? Like whether we would have been ace regardless or if we wouldn't have been, but but like this experience kind of forced us into that box. But it's impossible to know because I feel like no matter who you are, like no matter what life you've been living, if you're six years old and somebody that is related to you and or even forget the even related to you part if you're six if you're like six years old and then somebody who you trust starts sexually abusing you I don't think there's any way that you will look at sex as a positive thing after that like hypersexual people aren't looking at sex as a positive thing either. It's almost like they're, like, hurting themselves and exacerbating the problems that they're already having from their rape by having sex with more people and making themselves feel, like, more shameful or bringing, like, other people's opinions in to how they feel because people are really fucking judgmental. Um, So either way, like... I don't think that when you're a little kid you can go through somebody forcing you to do things that you don't want to do with your body and then have that part of yourself not be like either turned way up or not exist. Um, Like I've heard it happen in both, kind of in both ways. with different people really depends on the person but it's just one of those things where I get I get almost frustrated that some of like the terms that people use or whatever you want to call it don't really apply to incest victims because it's just different like it's it just has to be Like, it's just a different situation. Like, even the... Like, the people that I was at um, Rogers with. Like, even the people that I am friends with. Like, I was... I was the youngest one out of all of them that dealt with the trauma that I did. And... um, 
And so it was just a different, like, the rest of them had relationships, and they had had sex with people after they were abused. So they had a different relationship with sex, like, at least some of them had had it um, before ever being, like, abused in any way by anyone. Um, So it just puts you kind of in a different box. Like, it kind of has to be, like, the, because I feel like the whole idea of being hyposexual is based on the fact that you did have a sexuality before, and you did have those kind of feelings, and, like, despite Sigmund Freud being fucking obsessed with children wanting to have sex, that's not actually, like, really a thing. They're too, we're too young and innocent, our, like, brains haven't quite, like, formed enough to really start thinking about other people in that way um so I guess this like rambly thing is me trying to explain that and just say that if you read if you like follow one of those accounts and something you have you see like kind of fits but kind of doesn't like that like me reading that I was like I could be that or I could be or I could just say that I'm ace, there's really no way of knowing which one it is, because, like, it basically said, like, for, like, a short amount of time that happens, it's like, yeah, but how are we ever supposed to figure that out when most incest victims, when they go through it, are pretty young, and then don't tell anybody about it for, on average, for, like, another 20 to 30 years, so, like, you've lived, like, the rest of your life during that time in that kind of state, whether it's hyper or hypo, um, sexual, so it's hard to really say which one is which, like, which, if, it's hard to say that you could have one of those without, because you live, because we live for so long as, like, one of those things, um, in, in that state, and so you can't really say there's, like, a short-term effect to it when, Like, I can't really say that I'm hyposexual and that is a short-term effect when I've been like this since I was, like, six. So it's been almost 30 years. (laughs) Like, that's not a short amount of time. Um, So I guess this rambly thing is me trying to say that it's okay if you read stuff from, in, like, a book or a YouTube channel or an Instagram or whatever and you don't and you feel like it could apply to you but it doesn't because you have whatever extenuating trauma traumatic circumstances that they're not including really in that situation like that's okay because like sometimes some of the like traumatic language or things that they kind of talk about it, it it's words that apply to more to people that are like somewhat more adult sometimes or even just had life before this traumatic event happened like in in my experience like some of the the things that people talk about with sexual trauma can be difficult because a lot of the ways that people talk about it is like they already had kind of a sexual identity and then the the, like they were raped by someone 
and then they were how they were afterwards. So even though people hide it, even if it happens only one time, or if they were like in their 20s as opposed to a little kid when it happened, um, it doesn't mean that what happened to them is any like less than what happened to me. It's just a different situation. So sometimes I get frustrated with that stuff because it doesn't include the way they talk about it just doesn't include incest victims because we don't exist in kind of that idea we exist outside of that idea like it's kind of like the whole thing of um with the me too movement that incest survivors still felt like on the outside of that movement because it's based on the idea that like of that that like you that your like, the whole idea that your, um, abuser could be somebody that you are related to and that you love and you feel like you should protect them, um, that can happen when it's, like, you know, your significant other that does it to you, but it's a lot more fucked up for people that are incest victims. Like, the whole trauma bonding thing is fucking crazy. Like, the best way I can explain it is that when I was at Rogers and I was talking about, like, some of the the angry things my dad would say, I would try to, def- I, like, wanted to try to defend him to the people that were friends with me at Rogers. And, like, they all knew what he did to me. I know what he did to me. And, like, this dude fucking raped me for at least six years and then emotionally and verbally, like, ruin like just just try to destroy me and basically keep like keep my self-esteem so low that I would never tell anybody about anything that he did and then also yelled at like my mom and my sister a lot and I had to watch him do it and at least part of the time I literally had to push him off of my mom um at least once that I can't remember that probably happened more than once but still, like, all of that and and everything and, like, the sexual memories that came back, even despite all of that, I still had this, like, um, impulse to try to protect him, to stand up for him, to be like, oh, he's not that bad. No, he's really that fucking bad. But I was, like, told by my mom and, and, and stuff for so long that he wasn't that bad, that she and that he was a good person, and what happened didn't really happen, that, that, like, trauma bond is still there, and it still fucks with me, like, to this day, (laughs) and it's not quite as insidious when it's not someone, not like your, like, it's your, when it's your, like, your parent, or your immediate family member, like, a, uh, a family member that's supposed to love and protect you, and they do that to you, it's so messed up, and, um, so, like, the whole Me Too movement of, like, of, like, exposing, like, who your abuser is or, like, talking about how they abused you or whatever, it just doesn't work the same, like, what the fuck, how, I'm, what do you want me to do, like, expose my fucking dad, like, it doesn't, it doesn't work the same way because it's never as, like, clear-cut as that, so if you feel like an outsider, even in, like, the kind of the trauma community, 
just know that's not a unique reaction, that it does happen to us sometimes. Because it's just, we're special, okay? Just go with that. We're special. 